first down. Eddie George, room to run, up the middle, midfield, and there he goes. To the 10, touchdown. 68 yards. Well, I would say that's a statement made by your offense. They catch the Colts on a blitz. Look at everybody coming. John running, coming around, trying to make a tackle. Nobody on the inside. Jason Belzer, the safety, gets too far up in there. Can't make the tackle. And Eddie George just outruns everybody to the end zone. Hello, everybody. It's the Transatlantic Titans podcast. And yes, we've left it a few days since Thursday night football. So ideally, or the the dream, the plan was we'd have calmed down a bit. Um, some of us have. I'm Adam. I've calmed down. Um, Miles is here with me. Brian as well. And also Greg, who definitely has not calmed down. Other than that, how are you? All good. Oh, all good. <laughs> all good. And you just reminded me of Thursday, so I'm livid again. Steaming. <laughs> Steaming. We we do need to get to that. We're going to look at... Um, I was going to say what's going wrong. Um, let's remind everybody that the Titans are six and three, um, which is, you know, look at look at things five six years ago. We'd have bitten your arm off for anything like. But here we are. Um, yeah, we're going to have a look at back at Thursday night. Um, we're also going to look ahead to the weekend and another easy game at Baltimore. Um, Adam Barton will join us uh, from the Ninety Nine Yards podcast to look at that um what i thought we'd do though um greg you've sent me your notes from thursday night uh, which were on your your notes app at was it 4 52 a.m yeah 4 52 a.m i decided just because i didn't want to forget anything i wanted to get really angry about decided to scribble notes down of, of pretty much kind of not necessarily play by play or drive by drive but just big moments and uh things that really pissed me off to be honest um <laughs> So yeah, we can just roll through one by one and see where we get to. Okay. Um, well, you've you've started with the special teams, um, which is, I suppose, a a reasonable place to start um, because it it certainly made me most angry. Um, the punter change. Um, let's let's get straight into it. So yeah, punter change after a solid Ryan Allen performance against the Bears. Why? Well, apparently, what is his name? FedEx guy. I'm just. I'm not even going to mention his name. Trevor, Trevor yeah, Daniel. Trevor. Trevor Daniel. Um, yeah, FedEx man outperformed Ryan Allen in practice. I reckon I could punt a decent ball in practice, um, but not much evidence of him punting a ball in the actual game. Uh, Brian, let's let's start with start with you. Um, well, firstly, I'm guessing you wouldn't have put Trevor Daniel in the game. I said at the time, <clears throat> it seemed like. Uh, Unnecessary change, like why fix something that isn't broken, so to speak. And uh, I mean, 17 yard punt, but it's changed again. So let's be honest, it's a disgrace. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I said it at the time that I think if we lose this game, that will be the reason. I still partly believe that a massive momentum shift. I'm going to give you one positive thing about the 17 yard punt. And that's that Buffalo had a 12-yard punt in their game at Arizona. Um, so there's, there's always someone worse off, apparently. Um, uh, Miles, I mean, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't just that punt. There was a block punt shortly after. I mean, 
is is that the place that the Titans lost? Firstly, I think I could punt a tin of Quality Street further than 17 yards <laughs> to get the sponsorship in early. Um, but I just... It, it, you can say that the special teams is the reason we lost, but the reason we lost was actually on all three sides of the ball, in my opinion, which is very rare. It's, I, I don't want to come down too hard on Tannehill, but to me, he was, he was overall pretty unacceptable for the game as well. But special teams, I mean, the way that the second half went, we're obviously not scoring a point in the second half. And we went from, what, having a lead to having a blocked punt and then they score again, and then from there it just felt like it was game over quite quickly, and it, just like that, the game was over to me. It's the moment it happened, it was a knife-in-the-back sort of game-over situation. It's disappointing, but, I mean, at least Tennessee are aware now that you are allowed to change your kicker, so, I mean, there's another kicker on our team that they're allowed to change if they fancy doing it. It doesn't just have to be the punter, but that's on a, a team to decide. But, no, pretty unacceptable if you uh, ask me in truth the whole game, but, I mean... I'm really trying to find positives from the game and I've been really struggling, but yeah, special teams was especially disappointing. I mean, Greg, Miles, well, Miles, you just mentioned the kicker. Um, I think we're in agreement that the punter change wasn't, wasn't the right call. I'm not sure what's, I'm not sure how actually Brett Kern's fitness, what the latest is on that or what's going to happen this week, but um, another key position on special teams, Stephen Goskowski, um, another, mid-range field goal missed on Thursday night. He, as it stands, is still the Tennessee kicker. Um, if it was up to you, would he be? I think we're going back to this conversation from a couple of weeks ago when it's yeah, like, I know. no, yeah. no, he wouldn't be, but who are, who are you going to replace him with? Um, but it's, it's it's costing us now. And, and you know, I'm not saying it hasn't cost us previously, but he obviously, you know, kicks a couple of, of game winners, um, he just doesn't ever look confident to me. Like as every single time he goes out there, no matter what distance it is, he doesn't look confident. Not a, there's not a single. I mean, so actually, I mean, I remember two, even a couple of years ago, when anything, anything within fifty, I wasn't even watching the field goal. I'd go out and, and have a quick piss or something just to, to to get myself into you know, and then into the next drive because you know that suck up's going to knock it through. Um, whereas now I'm sitting there biting my nails, hoping that he's he's going to hit it through even from 30 or 40, which is which is mad for a for a guy that's been pretty much regulation for most of his career. I can't. I I found I think a percentage someone shared with on Twitter, and I can't remember for life me what the percentage is, but it's within 50. I think it's just unacceptable. But the problem is there isn't anyone to replace him. And just getting back to the punter, I don't know. I just feel like this that decision felt like a bit of a business decision. I don't know if it's that he's a volunteers punter. I don't know if they're trying to get like more, more of the sort of volunteers audience into, you know, he's only a punter at the end of the day and he's not going to be there long term, but you know, <laughs> felt, felt like, I'm not felt, sure. I'm not sure the Vols fans are going to be tuning in on the back of that. Blimey. No, not on the back of that, but before the game, they're sitting there thinking, well, you know, the guy's probably as good as Ryan Allen. Yeah. Why not? Let's get him in. It might sell a few jerseys. It might, uh, pique some interest to some Vols fans who, who aren't interested necessarily in the Titans. I don't know. It was just felt like it was the wrong choice from, from beginning to end. Um, it was an absolute diabolical performance on special teams overall. I'm not going to blame him for the blocks one. I think you've got to kind of look at David Long there and he was he was miles off the pace and the guy just walked through him. Um, you can't get beaten on the inside on a punt. So there was there was more more wrong with, with special teams 
above above and beyond Daniels. But I agree with Miles. I think all three phases of the of the of the, of the all three sides of the ball was was unacceptable. I don't think there was a single single player who really shone in any way, shape, or form. I mean, Henry still went over 100, 100 yards and uh, from nineteen carries, which is a decent decent average, but didn't really get into the game at the time when you needed him to. Um, yeah, it's just a frustrating night. Not one that you want to stay up until half four to watch. Or four or four fifty-two per your notes. Four fifty-two. Yeah. <laughs> going going back to those um, defense, no pressure. Robertson missing. Um, Bayard and Vaccaro struggles. Jones too busy celebrating sack just before half, costing three points. I'm reading verbatim. Yeah, that's, uh, that, so the, the, the Daquan Jones one really annoyed me because there was one second left when they spiked that ball. All he's got to do is just, you know, just lay on him. Lay on him for a second, two. That's all you need to do. Is And then you're going in at half time, seven points up, not four points up. Uh, look, that didn't I, lose I, us. I can't, that I can't lose get mad at that. I can't get mad at that. It didn't lose us the game, but at the end of the day, it's those, it is those small margins. And you kind of think, you know, if the second half didn't go a south due to the due to the special team's performance um, and the, you know, the 17-yard punt that we've discussed that blocked, blocked one for a touchdown, I mean, it wouldn't have changed it in the grand scheme of things. But you're going in seven points up instead of four points up. I don't know how much difference it would have made. I think it was seven and four. I can't actually remember, to be honest. But, yeah, just to me, it kind of felt like... It was three points that we could have could have easily had back if we just thought about it a little bit more. He's too busy celebrating, and they were then trying to get the ball snapped, and so they get, have enough time at the clock. And I don't think we even lined up, but yeah, both sides of the ball, three sides I think of the they, ball. They spiked the ball at that point. I think it was third down after the sack. They spiked the ball. Yeah, never, never seen a referee move as fast though as that referee there to go and to get that one in position to spike it though. Jesus Christ, the guy sprinted to get it, make sure he got it back. <laughs> All right, but the defence then, Brian, um, I mean, Greg mentions no pressure. Um, we had Clowney back. Um, yeah, I mean, Phil Rivers was getting rid of the ball quickly, but yeah, how do we fix this? Well, I see, I, I can't get my head around this defensive scheme we're, we're playing at the minute. We seem we to be playing standoff, and we're allowing this cushion for all the receivers, and then Rivers is getting the ball out in 2.1 seconds, which is ridiculous. You're never going to get one when the quarterback's releasing the ball that quickly. And it was exactly the same in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Roethlisberg was notorious for getting the ball out quickly, but even him, he was releasing the ball quicker than usual. And it's because there's always a man open, we're just standing off and I can't understand it. I, I, to me, it looks like we're, we're just trying to eliminate the deep ball. Um, that's That hurt us, you know, the, going back to Jonathan Joseph in those early earlier games when we were, we were getting beat deep easily. Um, I don't know if this is a just to try and combat that, but quarterbacks as good as Roethlisberger and Rivers can see that you know, they'll just take, they'll just take tiny chunks all day, and that that means we then lose the time of possession battle, which puts pressure back on the offense. Um, I saw uh, Mike Mike Herndon point out that you know, we had 17 points in the first half, and I think it was touchdown, field goal, punt touchdown or something there were four possessions three scoring three scoring drives um from that point onwards there were 28 consecutive colts on offense to either side of half time um you know, the offense didn't have the ball for probably best part of an hour real time then we get the ball on the one yard line 
Um, and then it's, yeah, from there where it all went wrong, really. I mean, we had a couple of first downs from there. And then, then there's a shank punt. Um, I, don't, I don't know how you... Is it just that we don't have the enough of a roster that we can trust to, to make plays on defence? Is it the secondary that's... I mean, I don't know. I don't have the answers, unfortunately. I'm hoping that, Miles, maybe uh, maybe you can come up with something. If so, you've got no Mike Brable's number. I was going to say. Um, I think the answer is Adora Jackson, isn't it? He just comes back and everything gets fixed. Because I think, that's what, everyone's, <laughs> I think nice. that's what everyone's relying on at the moment. Because there just seems to be no... It's like... I think I said it a couple of weeks ago. Where it's almost like the defence looked like they don't want to get to the quarterback. And like the way that Jones celebrated that sack sums up how big sacks have been for our team and how little we've had. Because if Carney yeah. gets a sack, I'm expecting the team to all grab the ball and run to like the little camera they have in the end zone and celebrate in front of everyone with just how outrageously impressive it'll be. Because defensively, it's just how we can pick up such a big free agent signing in Clowney, who granted hasn't performed, didn't have a preseason, whatever, but just looks so incapable at stopping teams from attacking us. Like, Every team, all they need to do when they come up against us is play a quick ball to one of their receivers who is getting the freedom of six or seven yards of play, which you don't need to be an advanced expert in the NFL to know that if you're getting seven yards down, you're going to win the game comfortably because you're going to control the clock, which is what we used to do last year when we could make stops, but now we can't. And I think I agree with what you're saying about they were worried about the deep ball Whereas they need to get a lot more pressure in front of the receivers and basically force a team to make a play on us. It might be that they do think that Vicaro and Bayard are having an off-season and they think if they're throwing the ball deep, can we rely on someone like Bayard to actually go and get that ball like he did last year and the years before? To me, it's just all-round defensively. There just seems to be, and like I said, it's not just a Dore Jackson comeback that's going to solve it, but personally, I don't think it's going to be down to personnel. In terms of players on the pitch, it's going to be the people off the pitch and we know we've we've had many conversations about our coordinator but there's a reason that our defense has gone from pretty decent young they've got the chance to be great to young awful and everyone wants to play us all of a sudden and it's because of the way they're getting coached let's not let's not forget that mike rabel's defense at houston wasn't anything special like i'm not sure where they ranked in the years that he was he was dc there but I don't think it was anything special. So I think it's 100% coaching. I think it's 100% scheming. I think it's play calling. I think it's a mixture of things. But players don't turn bad overnight. Players like Bayard and Vaccaro, uh, you know, you saw what they could do last year. They, they've been missing. And I think I think might have even put that in, in one of my notes as well. well just... uh, yes, yeah, you've, you've come <laughs> to the next thing. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of, it is a big concern of mine that those, those two guys have, have I'd say, regressed um really quite, i mean monumental fall from grace um but i think it's one of those it's one of those ones that it's 100 as you said adam it's, they were getting the ball out so quickly you're not going to get any pressure on on rivers because the ball's gone before they can even you know really get into any kind of stride with uh, an offensive lineman um and the coverage is so so softer that they are going to pick up six-yard gains, seven-yard gains, eight-yard gains, and actually on third down, we were—I think, I think they were four from twelve, which isn't awful, but then they're three from five on fourth downs because they only need four, four from one, four from inches or whatever. So you're just putting yourselves constantly keeping yourselves on the field when you really shouldn't be. 
it was just one of those days. I mean, look, we can talk about special teams. We can talk about things that didn't go right. Second half didn't score a single point. I even chucked Woodside in there for the last drive or two. But yeah, it was just it was just well, a we, bit. Well, we of now off. know he can hand the ball off. We, yeah, we discovered that. Which which I mean is useful, I guess. Um, I mean that's this, what this, most that's what that's what most people actually. think we do anyway. This this really bugged me, and it's a really it's a inconsequential to the rest of the game. Woodside got chucked in because the game's gone. It was like, oh, let's let's stick him in. Um, why not let him throw a couple of passes in a in a proper game to to give him that? I mean, it's a it's a small thing. But it's not going to change the it's not going to change the result. What's the worst that could happen? They didn't want they didn't want to get any receivers injured. So I think they're just like, okay, we'll hand the ball off to McNichols and Foreman because if they go down and get Batson, injured, I don't care. I'll just give him give him yeah. anyway. Just... Nah. <sighs> So you uh, you restored some some anger in me there by reminding me of that. Got, we've gone back to Thursday night again, haven't we? <laughs> five, five in the morning on Friday morning. <laughs> All right. Um, back to your notes. Offense chasing the game, not enough weapons. Drops AJ twice. Um, Brian, um, let's go back. Let's go back to you. I mean, seven seven zero was the score when. AJ dropped what would have been a touchdown. Um, he had a, he had a one or two more. Um, anything to be concerned about there? Or it was just or just an off night for him. Uh, it was just an off night. <clears throat> the, uh, the, there's one guy I think we can't really criticise. Season will be him. He's pretty much been lights out. He's been uh, he's been really reliable all the way through. It's it's just one of those things. I think. Hope, I wasn't too concerned about. I'm not too concerned about him. I was. I think we really miss Humphreys. Actually, I think it was quite evident. We need like some sort of that kind of possession receiver, and especially in a game like against those, their their defense is like it is legit. It is yeah, really good. Yeah. Isn't it? I mean, you you sort of think Tennessee. It depends who depends on the defense. You've always got a chance in the air because a lot of teams will try and stop, just stack the box. Um, yeah, I mean Humphrey's missing. We didn't we didn't really see a lot from anybody, to be quite frank. I mean it's it's difficult with a time of possession where you know, Rivers is you know seven eight minute drive after seven eight minute drive. It feels like you hardly have the ball. But um, is 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 the offense struggling? That's that's maybe the burning question. I I, I think I'll put it down more to game scenarios than are they struggling. I don't think we're a team that should be chasing at any point. I don't think that's that's what we're built to do. And don't get me wrong, we have chased down, you know, set back. I mean, it was at Houston. I can't remember how many points it was. We obviously chased that down and won it in overtime. Um, we were, uh, missed field goal away from tying it up against the Steelers. So we're capable of doing it, but it's not where you want this offense to be. And the thing is, I think a lot of teams are seeing that now where they're thinking, if we can go and get ourselves a score or two ahead on the Titans, they, they could potentially crumble. And they could potentially get themselves into a situation that they don't really want to be in, um, which is quite scary, really, because you think all teams are going to want to try and do is get a fast start. Um, whether they whether they give us the ball first and try and get us off the field at a free and out or whatever it may be, they they are 100%. I feel like we are a much much better team when we're controlling the clock, we're controlling the lead. You know, we're you know, you look to that um, that Bears game. I know the Bears offense is pretty woeful, but. At no point did you ever did you ever think that we had that game out of hand. Even even at the end, we had a couple of moments where we thought, 
holy moly, we might actually lose this. But realistically, it was always, it <laughs> yeah. was always, it was always comfortable, and that's because we always had the ascendancy in the game, and that's when we're at our best. You look at the games last year against, you know, the Pats and, and Baltimore. I don't think, I mean, there were, some of them were close, but we always, we always had the edge over over those teams um, in those two particular games. And if you look at games earlier in the season, the same story. When we're having to chase games, it's not, we're not going to see the best out of any of our offense. I, I don't know. It's it's Miles. I'm interested to see what you think as well. I mean, whether whether Tannehill's, I it just felt it, the O line might be might be a little bit of an issue again. The Colts have got a legit front seven, a scary scary bunch of guys, but you know, Tannehill felt seemed to be under pressure a lot, particularly the later the game got. They just went after him more and more. Um, I mean, I, is is everything okay there? I and mean, it's it, Really, no more than a couple of couple of third third down conversions not being made um, in our own territory. A couple of punts in that third quarter changed the game. But um, I personally, I don't think much of this is on the offense. Um, it's difficult when you you put into those those situations, you lose rhythm. Um, yeah, yes, we're better with the lead. We know that. Um, yeah, Mars, have you got any serious concerns about the offense? Um, I don't know how serious my serious concerns are. <laughs> um, personally, I I felt with Tanner Hill, he, he ended up with like what 147 yards on the game, which to me is actually unacceptable unless your name's Lamar Jackson and you're gonna add on to that a lot of rushing yards. When we had the ball, like you said, we didn't have much time with it. We're, we're a team that likes playing from front. We all know that. Once we have a lead, we like to run down the clock with Henry. But like last year, we were happy with we could score 40 points on teams and it felt really comfortable. I think losing Taylor Lawan has been huge for Tannehill. It's that left side. It's your protection. It's your, it's your blind side that you sort of, you know when you've got Lawan there that you're relatively safe. I say relatively, pretty much safe all the time. And it makes your players a completely different person. If your person on edge, like every single play, thinking someone's coming that way for you, yeah, you've got to be a little bit off. I mean, distribution of the ball was given. It was almost like everyone got one catch in the game. When you look at the stat sheet, other than I think it was Corey Davis who had a good few catches, everyone, and Brown obviously had his drops. It was just like sort of one to hear, one to hear, one to hear. I would have liked to see it, try and just force it to Brown because clearly he's our playmaker. And we needed to try and get more out of this offense, but whether or not it's a problem, I don't know. To me, I do think there's a big. The issue with the O line is that Luan is gone, and it's going to make a big difference on the confidence with Tannehill. But I don't know. Is it's, he being too conservative? Well, not, it, it almost is. It's almost like, him. yeah, it's like I think he he got his contract and he doesn't want to be one of these people that then come out and throw twenty picks and everyone's like, oh well, that was a big mistake. He just wants to sort of play it safe and hand the ball off to Henry and sort of every so often make these nice plays that he's been doing. And Brown and Davis have been performing well for him. But I don't know. I, I agree. I think yeah, he is almost playing it a little bit too safe. And I don't know if that's play calling or if that's him when he's making his reads that he's just seen a quick check down and he's going for that rather than trying to take a top off a of defence. But, I mean, if Brown, if Brown makes that catch, it could be a completely different game. It, there's no two ways about it. If he yeah, makes that catch, yeah. the, the difference that it makes is we will then continue to run the ball with Henry and control the clock more. But these things happen and it's how you react to him. And sadly, we reacted quite poorly every time we did get a chance on offense. 
it's yeah I, I don't I, I don't think there's much more than th- things didn't quite click I mean it's hard when you have a, a couple of drops and it's on a on key third downs I mean that 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 Antonio Brown it's definitely not Antonio Brown AJ, AJ Brown blimey I might cut that in the edit um yeah that's that's a touchdown um he he hauls that in and yeah all day you know the the, sh- the catch against Chicago when he's in double or triple coverage—that was a third down. That—that's the sort of pass that we want to see. We want to see. Not, I'm not suggesting Tannehill should keep throwing into triple coverage, but that—that you know, that type of catch that AJ Brown can make that others won't. Um, you know, we need—we need—we need more of that. I think there's a, a key factor that none of us have actually considered here. In the last four weeks, we've played three of the top five defenses in the. So, you know, we, you, you're going to have problems against the likes of Chicago, who were, again, pretty damn good last night on defence. I don't know if you stayed up and watched it. I did. Yeah. For my, um, Indy, they're just they're playing lights out on defence at the minute. And uh, Steelers, I thought we actually handled the Steelers' defence not too bad. It was just, uh, like you say, it's, we, can't, we can't get the offence on the field half the time. That's the battle. Yeah, that's that's how I see it. The, the time of possession battle is so key, and we're just we're losing that for all sorts of other other reasons. Yeah, part, partly going back to the playing soft on defense. Um, it's interesting what you said about the O line, though. Just just quickly, I, I read somewhere I don't know how true it is that we we did try and trade for a, for a tackle. Is it the Vikings tackle? I can't remember his name is now. Yeah, it was. Um, it's. It... Uh, for some reason, I came out of Sharif in my head, but that's not the right guy. But yeah, it's a left tackle from the Vikings. He's um, and that's I think that that's very interesting because it kind of gives you an idea that you know they obviously they're not sold on Sambrello. I think, uh, and, and to be honest with you, I don't think he's been been awful by any stretch of the imagination. But he's obviously you know he's never going to be anywhere near Luan level. And then you've got you know Saffold well, Saffold picking up injuries. You know he missed a few snaps. He came back in. I don't think he would have been hundred percent. I mean, Dennis Dennis Kelly is uh, kind of coming as a starter. I mean, look, I I really like the guy personally. I'm not sure if he's at the you know level that can say that he should Dennis, be a starter. Dennis Kelly's at a decent level, but we haven't we haven't even mentioned the fact that we drafted a tackle in the first round. Yeah, to be honest, I mean, though, that's, that, that's 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 a concern. If what's what's he was I, mean, I, d- there, I don't want to have uh... he? he was even out there warming up on Thursday night, and they were showing him. Uh, it was top off or whatever it was pushing one of the coaches practically over and you're thinking oh, all right you, you should be good to go then and again he's inactive I, I to be honest with you, i have no idea what's going on with that one i don't know if they're trying to protect him i don't know if they're trying to but just get let him out there play get him out there why not i mean it's surely this is he's a first round pick you look at all the other picks that we even all the other picks we had in the draft they've all immediately come in and played not one of them has been really sat out. Even Chris Jackson was a seventh or sixth round pick, or whatever it was. He's been he's been out there at nickel pretty much every week. So it's just it, to me, it feels like I don't know what they're trying to protect him from. I don't know if they're trying to just you know ease him in. I don't know why. There's obviously something that's not quite right. Well, yeah, you don't have. Yeah, he should have. You draft a guy in the first round. Surely he's okay. You start the season with Luan and Kelly. Surely he's next man up. But it's it doesn't seem seem to be he's even considered at the moment. No. Um, go back to your notes, Greg. The final note. Um, it gets more optimistic or a bit more positive anyway. Corey Davis's performance. Now, I d- I don't know how you play a game of football 
um, a day or two after losing a close relative like that. Um, Serge Aurier did the same thing for Tottenham a few weeks back. Um, his his same sim not not the same thing, but his his brother was murdered actually, and you think, oh, okay, he's gonna we're not gonna see him for a while. Um, oh, you're you're playing the next day. Okay, I take your hat, take my hat off to that. Um, um, maybe it helps with with dealing with other things going on in your life if you've got you've got a game of football to focus on or channel that energy in. Uh, but he was emotional. Um, he was he was up for it. He he put in a, a good performance, and he's, there are more good performances from Corey Davis than bad at the moment, without doubt. Um, yeah, Br- Brian, we've mentioned Corey Davis a few times um, this year uh, with the the decision um, as whether he's he's going to stick around. We we still don't know what's going to happen there. Would you like him to stick around? Right, I'm I'm a big Corey Davis fan. I've got him in both my fantasy leagues. I started him when he scored zero against Greg. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, yeah, I was, I'm, I was, I'm delight, I was delighted Davis. by that one secretly. <laughs> my, uh, my, my main concern is what is he going to cost us obviously we didn't pick up the fifth year if we were to keep him do we still have to pay a top dollar for him personally this this is where I think it's it's so difficult Like the he's the sort of guy that I, I want to keep around um, but it, I think you're dead right it's, it's a financial thing um, and the nature of the rookie contracts in the NFL means that someone like that, when it comes up for the, the, the next deal, it doesn't stack up, you know, particularly in that position. Um, it, the rookie contracts aren't quite right, maybe, um, is a reason for this. Um, it's one way, one way of looking at it. Um, but no, I, th- I think you're right. Um, and that's sadly what's going to happen love to keep him. I really would. I really like him. I think he's great. I think I think he's I think he's actually growing into his it like he's starting to live up to his potential a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think the chemistry with Tannehill's starting to become like evident. But we are we have to pay first round money for him and I just I just think that money's better off spent elsewhere. Yeah, it may well come down to that. Okay. Right, let's look ahead to yeah, another easy game. The Baltimore Ravens on the road. Um, well, there are going to be no fans in Maryland. There's there's one thing that might level the playing field a bit. Um, but um, the Ravens, I fear, are going to be hungry. They're going to be out for revenge. We're facing, yeah, another decent defense. Maybe it's not hit the heights that it has, but it, it's there are no slouch, no slouches. Uh, we'll be facing Lamar Jackson, who can be elusive. Um, Give me some miles. Give me some optimism. How are we going to beat them? I was so worried that it, it's become a regular thing of miles. How are we going to win this game? And normally I have some this outlandish. Is why you're here. <laughs> well, it's obviously it's a Jeffrey Simmons safety, then, isn't it? Um, but no, to me, the, the the big issue is is I would have felt so much more confident about this game if Baltimore had beat New England last week, or the week they just went. But to <laughs> me now. And the thing is, Lamar looked good, and I don't know if anyone saw the weather conditions, and they were horrific. And Lamar did still look good, and there's been complaints saying that, like, I think they'll be missing Calais Campbell, I think, still on the Ravens' defence, so he's quite a miss for him. But then they've got some complete stars on defence, as they do on offence. Um, how do we beat them? 
Um, we basically have to do what we've done in the playoffs. Um, Derek Henry has to physically pick up people and throw them across the field, which he's very capable of doing. He's just come off a 100-yard game. and it, 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 There's every chance. It's almost like the Titans' way now. We'll, we'll beat the Bengals and we'd lose to the Ravens, we'd all predict. But what will realistically happen is we'll lose to the Bengals and we'll beat the Ravens. That's what will happen. Just because it's, we'll, we'll have oh, this, this year is so <laughs> tragically awful. Let's just say that it's going to be the complete opposite of what everyone thinks. Um, <laughs> the, the only other way that we win is RG3 plays at quarterback because something happens to Lamar. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure any of these things are rational reasons to be optimistic. <laughs> no, there aren't. I, I apologize. I've got Lamar Jackson as my quarterback in fantasy, so if he has a brilliant game, that's fine as long as we win. Okay, Brian. Um, do you see it differently? I fancy us this time. Yes, uh, yeah. there we go. Right. So Harris just ran 118 yards on him, despite getting absolutely leveled and coming off in the fourth quarter. Um, he looked pretty good, to be honest. Oh no, I'm sorry, I might be getting mixed up. That might be the week before he got taken off. Anyway, he's just ran 118 yards, and they they they, they seem to be pretty soft in run defense. Their offense isn't as high scoring as it was. Um, I think there's a, I think there's definitely ways to get them. I I think Lamar is massively overrated. Don't get me wrong, he's good. I don't, I don't have him as a top three quarterback like people used to talk. Um, I think he's definitely beatable. We just have to execute. There we go. I don't even want to go to Greg now. <laughs> um, but uh, all, all I'll say is this game will be won or lost on defense, one hundred percent. It's all, it's all going to be that is like I don't think offense. We'll put. I think we can put points on him, and I think we probably will put points on him. It, it will be. 100% won or lost on how we defend, which scares the bejesus out of me, considering what we've seen this year. But look, it's going to be, it could be one of those games, like I mean, Miles, I kind of agree to some extent. It's the sort of game that people go out and expect us to lose. And I think games this year, too many of them, there's not been many of them that we've been expected to lose, I wouldn't say. Like a lot of them, we've kind of people have still kind of fancied us secretly, or you know, even the Steelers game, people were like, yeah, "It's gonna be tough," but you know, you, you still fancy the Titans at home. We're five this, and zero at that point, yeah. And that, yeah. And I think um, this is a game that people are probably going to walk into, even though we had the playoff game, which we, I mean, let's face it, we pretty much dismantled them in that game. I still think people are going to go there thinking, well, no one's going there actually technically, but still, you know, <laughs> people are going to be sitting there thinking, um, yeah, I can't, I don't. Yeah, I don't fancy the Titans, you know, with off the back of was it two lost two or three of the last four, whatever it is. Um but the next two games uh, you know will make or break the season. We've got I think we've got to beat the Colts in two weeks' time. We'll talk more about that next week. Um but that's that for the division is massive. I know they've got a tough run in, but I think the next two, if we can if we can put a foot down and win win these next two, then the division's there for the taking. Um, but it's going to be tough. There's a big eye on the Colts this week who are playing the Packers as well. Um, that, that's key. Um, I I agree that, that how the defence performs is so important and I almost feel with Lamar, um, it's dif- it's difficult to stop them just just from the way they play. We, we've, we've got to make... It could come down to turnovers. 
A bit, a bit like the Bills game was, where I felt like yeah, the, the way to beat them was to, to make big plays, and we did that. Um, and yeah, with turnovers or multiple sacks, you know, something we're going to have, you can't just rely on standing off and, and trying to way, and just, just hoping that they don't convert third downs. The way we beat them in the playoffs was make Lamar move sideways. Don't let him run forward. Uh, that is literally, if you if you watch that game back from the playoffs, Lamar, you know full well that you know you give him you give him a gap to go on a run, he's going to go and do it. You know he can make plays with his with his you know with his arm. You showed that in the playoff game as well. I think right towards the the end of the first half, which is probably the only decent drive they really had. But you just can't let him out. Like if he's going to go out of the pocket, make him run sideways. Don't make him go and run ten yards for an easy first down. Make him pick up one or two or three even. That's fine. But I think it will be massive. The defense is going to be huge, and I think I think Ingram's back, which I think um, they've I think they have missed him to some extent. I, mean, I don't think the running game is is the strongest, but I think it, with him in their team, they're definitely better. I don't think they're they're as good defensively as they even were last year. Um, it's a shame that Old Thomas won't be there, but that's for different reasons. Um, but yeah, I think it's massively going to come down to whether the defense can get can get them off the field. Which is what we struggled with all year. Okay, let's get a Baltimore perspective on things. Um, I had a chat with uh, another Adam, Adam Barton, who will fill us in. Um, here we go. Uh, joining us on the Transatlantic Titans podcast, we have Adam Barton, um, who well represents the the ninety nine yards and more importantly uh, the Baltimore Ravens. So welcome to the show, Adam. Thank you very much for having me. A pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Um, yeah, we're just obviously here to to give more of an idea about the Titans' week. I was going to say week eleven opponents, the Baltimore Ravens. I can't believe how far this season's already through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, here we are. Um, well, let's start with. I mean, it's it's an old AFC Central rivalry going back to the nineties and before and um, before. Well, you all broke off and joined the AFC North and left us and the Jags behind. Um, do you sort of how big? Well, how big a rival do you see the Tennessee Titans? I think it depends where sort of what sort of time frame you're looking at for for Ravens fans. Obviously, if you're from the the first Super Bowl window or or the Lamar Jackson era, then you. You're less likely to be aware of the Titans as a rival, other than obviously last last year's playoff loss, which creates a new one, but but in a whole <laughs> different way. Stop take wipe that spot off your face. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, for the the Ravens' first uh, five seasons, they were in the the AFC Central before the the Texans arrived and and uh, went to the format that we have now with uh, with eight divisions. It was it was six. So the so the Ravens and Titans would play each other a couple of times. Uh, every year and they had a big playoff uh, game in in the 2000 season obviously the titans went to the uh, the super bowl in 99 and the ravens in 2000 and there was a, a um a big i can't remember what round it was of the playoffs but a uh, game between them uh, and uh, trent dilfer's playbook went missing in the in one of the games <laughs> in, the, in the regular season and then uh found that he was getting hit a lot harder in the in the postseason uh but but obviously, it's it's all changed, and now that we we only play once every three years, depending on on seeding, it's the rivalry sort of dampened down a bit now, hasn't it? It it feels it feels like it's become a playoff rivalry, though. I mean, you mentioned that game in two thousand. Um, there was another one two or three years later. Um, 
2008 springs to mind where the Titans went 10 and 0 and then 13 and 3 number one seed um who do we come up against in the well, divisional well. round the Ravens uh, who who did us over and then I, gu- I guess last year was sort of the flip side of that um the the Ravens looking one of the strongest teams in the league um had that first round or first round bye obviously and um, came up against the, the Titans who yeah got got some revenge a bit unexpectedly um, do you see I mean to me I mean I, I sort of look at the Ravens and feel that a very similar team to a year ago and um, probably just as dangerous and um, like the Tennessee Titans though have gone to six and three on the back of a, a loss last week but uh, the other losses Chiefs and the Steelers you can't really be be too upset and um, do you see the Ravens as obviously another playoff team but how far can you go I'm I, I, I was saying this before uh, Sunday night, um, but obviously was extremely disappointed with the the result against the Patriots. But I I just haven't been convinced by this team that they're, they're just not not quite the same team. Something's not quite clicking. Um, and I know that they were they were two and two to start the season last season, but they just haven't kicked on. I, I don't know if it's the loss of Marshall Yander in in the offensive line, uh, who, who obviously retired. Um, but since then, there's been a lot of injuries, and the there's just something not quite right. I, I think teams are playing uh, Lamar Jackson a lot better. Uh, his, his passing yards aren't down that much. I mean, they've done about 15, 15 plus yards per game, which obviously you'd want back given given that he was, he was only averaging about 200 last season. But it, the running game is also down about 40 yards a game, which is still high because there were historically high levels in, in 2019. But the, that it adds up having 60 yards uh, less a game to to only have about 350 yards and they they've proven on in each of their losses that they just can't play from behind they have to be out, get out front first and 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 control the game from there they they can't uh, they can't come back which from historically a ravens perspective of being sort of an underdog led team they they'll sort of just fight through any adversity so it is it is a bit odd um and i think this is the next challenge of they need to win a big game as was proven with the the Titans playoff game last year that they just came unstuck which which happens it, you know it was it was a great season they were they were punched in the mouth it, it happens while it was a shock and and fr- frustrating it's just one of those things but since then they they haven't won the big game they've they've controlled all the games all, all six games they've won the chiefs they they were abysmal and um, fell away. The the Steelers game they should have won and found a way to lose, which is probably the best um, big game that they've they've had this season. That you know, just one of those that you need to have it on your resume. And and the Titans is is now the next one. I mean, last week, I mean, you, you'd know more than me. I feel a bit. It's a bit harsh to judge looking at how the bad so, the weather was in Foxborough. Um, so you maybe give them a pass. I don't think you're going to be struggling for motivation playing the Titans this week. No. <laughs> um, after that, though, looking at your your schedule, it's the Steelers again. Um, and, you know, again, a, a revenge game potentially for you. After that, there's some quite soft opponents, I would say. So I can see a strong, a strong end to the season. Um, I mean, if you could put your fing- finger on or you know, have a prediction as to how far the Ravens are going to go. Um, where do you see it? The, 
Well, I, I was writing on, on the website uh, last week that the, uh, th this is the, the third quarter of the season, which started with, with the Patriots game, is, is going to be the one that sort of defines their, who the Ravens are, really. And I did expect a, a win in, in the Patriots game. And, and I do I also agree that you, you've just got to write it off. Th these games happen when, when it's in the wet. But equally, as, as a run-heavy team, you'd expect them to deal better than than Patrick Mahomes or an Aaron Rodgers-led um, team who, who rely on the passing game. Um, but uh, obviously the, the Titans and the Steelers, I'd probably expect them, even, even though I have been uh, left a bit underwhelmed so far this season, to split. I'm not saying which way that will go. <laughs> um, um, I, I think they'll win one of two. Um, certainly, as you say, in terms of motivation, uh, in the past, Harbour teams have if we take the Steelers as an example, they've they've got really up for a Steelers game and then lost a game that, that sort of made, meant the Steelers win was almost irrelevant in terms of the fact that you've you've just given that that win back. Um so I can I could definitely see that that happening if the, if they were to beat the Titans and and putting a hell of a lot of emotional effort in and then um lay lay an egg against the Steelers. I, I definitely think they'll make the playoffs. And now that they're three games behind in the um in the chase for the division realistically you're just chasing a fifth seed at the end of the day so yeah, yeah. It, it's a case of um lining up but um, i'm sure all, all of your listeners will, will realize there are there are nine teams that are six or three or better in the uh in the afc and at, at the moment two of those aren't going to make the playoffs so well there's, there's... As, as it stands one of those is tennessee um so <laughs> yeah this is a lot riding on this game um one one thing i think baltimore have got to do be well, obviously better than they did in the in the playoff game was deal with Derek Henry. Um, do you think defensively? Um, well, obviously John Harbaugh will have will have learned from that um, and have have various ideas on how to cope with it. Do you feel that it will be a different story this time round? I would have I I would have thought so. The the, the Ravens have been the the best defense. Uh, in the league this season, um, which which has been very promising, but after Sunday night, and I, I, this is one thing that I don't think the weather takes into account, they were absolutely bullied by the by the Patriots in in the running game, and it was just a sign of, oh God, who's next? With uh, after our experience with the Titans last year, you just know that <laughs> that, that you guys were were looking at that and thinking, oh hello, they haven't quite fixed that, and there is definitely a caveat to that. Uh, they were they were missing uh, Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf, and Brandon Williams, um, amongst other injuries that I think have have also really hurt the uh, the Ravens this season. Campbell, it sounds like he he should be back, and I think that is absolutely critical for the Ravens to have any sort of uh, success and any chance of of slowing Henry down. Um, but but Brandon Williams won't be back, so it's. Uh, I think they they will be better as much as anything. They'll they'll know what's coming, but they it depends on how how whether Campbell plays and how healthily he how healthy he is. In we all know players that play at seventy five percent, and and you kind of wish well okay maybe their backup would have would have been the better option even if yeah. they're not the big name. Um, but but that's that that I think is is the key in terms of responding to last season. Okay, and the the other side of the ball, I I'd be staggered if. You don't put as many points up as as before. Um, I think you know, the the Tennessee defense has. Well, we all know it's regressed uh, versus this time last year. Um, 
Yeah, the, well, both in both on the ground and in the in the air. Um, how well, how happy or how confident are you about putting points up? Yeah, pr- pretty confident. But the Ravens aren't. They, they they take their time with with drives. As I said, they're, they're only averaging about 180 yards through the air a game. And admittedly, they haven't played defenses that have been quite as questionable as the Titans have so far this season. I, I want to be very careful about how I say that in terms of tempting fate. Um, but it's that's fair the, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the the receiving options are great. Obviously, Hayden Hurst, uh, we we traded away, and I, I completely understand that he was the the third option, and they got a second round back for a, fir- a, a an old first rounder. Um, but Willie Sneed. Um, and Miles Boykin uh, and Marquise Brown, obviously, are, are big names. But James Prochet and, and Devin Dunay, Duvernay have also been performing well. The the thing to consider, though, is that obviously I mentioned Marshall Yander retired, but Ronnie Stanley's gone down with a, a season-ending injury. Uh, Tare Phillips is down injured as well. Um, and, and the centre, uh, Matt Scura, Scura, didn't have a good, great game uh, on, on Sunday either. Uh, Nick Boyle has been has been lost for lost for injury as well, so we'll have to wait and see how the how the Ravens do at tight end because they're now down from from the the three tight end setups that they like to to just the one option. Um, looking at their their depth chart at the moment, they they need to sign someone. Um, so I'm, I'm I'll be interested to see who that is later in the week. I mean, even even with barely an offensive line at all, um, Lamar Jackson isn't the sort of guy who just stands in the pocket and takes it. Um, so <laughs> you've, you've got that in your favour. Um, if you, if I was going to force you to, I mean, you said it's, it, you see a split between the Titans and Steelers, um, you know, a win and a loss, but if I'm going to make you predict a scoreline for this Sunday, uh, yeah, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'd go... Probably twenty-eight, twenty-four to the Ravens. I've, I've got to, I've got to back the Ravens to win, but I'm, I'm definitely not confident in them, in them uh, avenging the playoff defeat. Okay, so from what you're, everything you've said, that means you're predicting a loss to the Steelers the following week. I was hoping you'd go the other way, but okay, there we are. <laughs> I um, think that's, yeah, I, think, <laughs> I, I could definitely see them, depending on how, how the injuries work out. I could see them losing both, but I, I. I I, I think they're capable of winning one of two. It's just what position they put themselves in early in the game, in both. I think um, we're as confident as each other, um, <laughs> potentially there. Um, other question is, I mean, we we all know about Lamar Jackson um, and you know, some other stud pieces on well, offence and defence. Um, can you give us a name that Titans fans won't know um, who we should look out for? I'll give you a couple on on defense. There's uh, Tyus Bowser, who's been a reliable Ravens-esque player. I, I mean, I, I sort of assume that everyone knows about them, but you you can you can get lost in your own fandom yeah. you, in terms of players that are are really useful players for the Ravens, and they they lose him for it, going for agency, and suddenly they they don't look good. Like CJ Mosley as as an example, uh, who's who's just not performed as well. Um, but but Tyus Bowser's been a really good option in terms of uh, just rushing the the, the passer. Uh, and down the middle, I, I know I uh, spoke about how they how much they struggled on uh, on defence on, on Sunday, but uh, Justin uh, Mabaduk, uh, oh, sorry, Madabuk, I'm not the best at pronouncing his name, I apologise, but defensive tackle um, is uh, is another um, is another one to keep an eye out for as well, who's a rookie. Okay, brilliant. Um 
thanks so much for your time. Hopefully we can do this again in the AFC Championship game week, assuming you're free then. I mean, I'll, I'll sign up for that. I'll, I'll be a bit more confident <laughs> about the result then, though. <laughs> um, where can... Well, where can Ravens fans, Titans fans, anybody catch you? Um, the 99 Yards podcast, obviously, but where else can they find you? So I, I write and podcast for, for 99 Yards um, and just put together about the NFL in general. But I'm also available around on Twitter um, with, with a few thoughts on the NFL um, at abarton93. OK, brilliant. Um, I won't wish you all the best for Sunday, but I will wish you all the best for... Hey the rest of the season um thanks again for coming on adam thanks very much thanks a lot adam for that um appreciate you coming on and yeah um hopefully you're wrong with your score prediction um but right with your trepidation about how baltimore are playing um we will see what happens come sunday right non-titans related that's the only way to end the podcast um Brian, I think it's a couple of weeks since since we've seen you. Have you got anything you, you'd like to get off your chest? Yes. <laughs> not one this week. I mean, I'm not sure. We might have done this one before. We might have touched on it before. Um, but stop putting your Christmas lights up in November. It'll be <laughs> <laughs> you stole mine, Brian. You stole mine. I, I, yeah, I... We had neighbours doing it at the weekend. It's it's the seventeenth of November that we're recording. It's a disgrace. I just there's there's, yeah. there's nothing worse. I w- I went on for the first time in ages. Uh, I went on a run and uh, I was jogging through and I was I was running past his house and I genuinely stopped and ran back the other way because I was like, do I just see like full on Christmas decorations in someone's lounge? This was the twenty ninth of October. I was like, that's just unacceptable. Like, you, you need your, you need your head testing for that. Unbelievable. Craig, who I do the Long Snapper podcast with, uh, we recorded a week ago, and he comes on. We got the Skype video, and he's sat there. He turn turns his video on, and there's a Christmas tree behind him. Yeah, that that would have been like the ninth, tenth of November. Well, he, he, and he, he tried to defend it as well. It's, it's indefensible. Disgraceful. Um, oh yeah, couldn't couldn't agree with you more, Brian. Keep Christmas to a small period, and it would be just more enjoyable. Yeah, less is more, and all that. If it's December, I think it's fine. But if it's any other month, just don't even talk about it. That's why you get annoyed when you see Christmas adverts coming out. It's like it's, it's not, it's not November. It's like madness. Miles, what have you got? Um, so in true fashion, mine's food related, um, as always. So um, I'd like to complain about supermarket version of garlic bread. <laughs> Here we go. So my big concern is, when I say concern, my rage in a molten lava rage, is when I order garlic bread, well, in any situation, I guess I'm, I'm picking on supermarkets there too easily, but I guess there's other people that are at fault too. But when I order a garlic bread, I want to be tasting garlic for like the rest of the day. I, I love proper garlic, garlicky, garlic bread. And whenever I get it from the supermarket, it's like bread with essence of garlic, where it's like, it, 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 they may as well have just served me like a loaf and then like colored it green a little bit. 
put a bit of oil on there and gone, there you go, garlic bread. It's unacceptable that I'm buying the garlic bread and it not be garlicky. Um, that's all I have, really. I'm a simple man who wants simple things in life, and all I want is to be able to buy a garlic bread from a store or a restaurant and enjoy the taste of garlic. That's all I want. I'm not asking for much. And yet it feels like I'm asking for the world with some places because it's just unacceptable, the level of garlic-iness on offer. Um. I'd, I'd like to say, well, maybe you need to shop at Waitrose instead of Lidl, but I'm, oh, I'm not sure that's even what you're doing. You. No supermarket safe. Even <laughs> if I have to pay... If I have to pay 40 quid in Waitrose or one pound in Tesco, it'll be the exact same situation. Whoever's making them just doesn't know how to make them garlicly enough. More garlic! <laughs> <laughs> for, the, for the people. <sighs> Well, I 100% agree with Brian. I 100% agree with that. Um, Greg, am I going to agree with you? I haven't really got a lot this week. Um, but, yeah, my, mine, the only thing is that's back on in my household that my half absolutely loves is uh, I'm a Celebrity, which, um, apart from about 20 seconds every half an hour, uh, I literally just cannot stand it. it does my head in but I actually had um it was uh one thing that made me laugh the other day or yesterday when it was on was uh holly arnold who um basically introduced herself as holly arnold MB- mbe which i was like that's just another level of like obnoxiousness and i just like no matter if you give me anything like that i'm not gonna sit there and be like yeah nice to meet you i'm i'm greg obe it's not gonna happen but yeah i there's not a lot for me to moan about this week, so I decided to moan about a Paralympian who got an MBE and just keeps saying it after her name. Time you got an OBE, and if you if you if and when you do, Rob, um, we'll call you Greg Kett OBE on this podcast. I'm please do, do, please that. do. Yeah, I I, I, I demand it. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's just I don't know. It just made me laugh because it was just one of those things you're like, really, it's like that, that how you introduce yourself to like normally to people? Because if you introduce yourself to me as, oh yeah, hi, I'm Holly Arnold. Uh, MBE, I'd be like, who the hell do you think you are? Jeez. But yeah, no, OBE for um, OBE for uh, for this podcast will be probably something that we'll have to be waiting a long time for. Oh, you never know. It, that remind that makes me think of Paul Collingwood and Shane Warne, uh, the 2005 Ashes team, all got MBEs. Yeah, which which I was all in favour of, uh, but included Paul Collingwood, who played one test um, <laughs> and scored 17 runs, and yeah, Shane Warne forevermore. Just it's it just called Paul Collingwood MBE every time he saw or mentioned him. <laughs> See, that's funny though. That's that's in yeah. jest. This is like genuine. You can just imagine her. Any person she meets just pops around and says, "Yeah, hi, I'm Holly Arnold MBE." I was just like, "No, nah, not having that." I, 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 yeah, I'm sure you've done great things in your career. You have done great things in your career, but Jesus Christ, madness! It's the typical thing of half pe- half celebrities, half people famous for like other reality TV shows. Like if if you're if you're famous for being in I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, then you probably shouldn't have been in it in the first place. Um, there's someone off Strictly in there this time, isn't there? I, you know, yeah. that's, you're I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't even name half of them, to be honest. Uh, they popped up on the screen. I was like, I've got a clue who they are. Which, um, yeah, I would love to see anyone who's actually American watch a pro- an episode of it, and if they can name a single one of them. I don't even think they'd name Mo Farah. So, but, yeah. It's, it's not my favourite. Wait, Mo Farah's on it? Yeah, yeah. 
He only eats corn. What's he going to do when uh, I'm a slug? <laughs> He was eating eel last night, and I don't think... Oh, like, I guess uh, it's protein, though, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I don't think it was a corn a corn eel. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> he probably... He, well, it, the truth's coming out. He's only pretending to eat corn because he's the face of corn, and he gets paid to say he only eats corn. Um, yeah. Yeah, his true colours of eating eel and, no doubt, rice and beans. The funny, thing, the funny thing is, this year it's in Wales. And it's like they've still got like basically trying to still make it Australian by sticking loads of bugs that you only, you wouldn't even get in Wales. Let's just bring in like slappers from Swansea to come in and like drop <laughs> and flirt with them. Like, that's much that's much worse be, than anything you're gonna find in the jungle. Oh, I'll be honest, it'd be way more entertaining though, wouldn't it? Uh, also, it'd be hilarious to watch. You just sit there like the press would have a field day. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, how do I top how do I top that? I'm not sure I can. Um I'm scraping the barrel with that one, Adam. You better be able to top it. <laughs> oh well, I am not I'm not sure. What well now here's here's something, and this is sort of off the top of my head, but I've seen this I could think two or three times recently. Social media and it's I'm gonna how do I say this without sounding like I'm the one with the problem? Um it's gonna be hard, but Couples or yeah, most couples who don't have kids and get a dog and start social media posts to parade the dog like it's a kid, um, and constant. I've got a, I've got a little puppy, and oh, I, I was up I was up all night with the with the puppy. Um, look, it's uh, uh, it's pooed on the floor, and that's you know. Um, I can't yeah, sleepless nights because of this puppy. Um, uh, people's posts about their kids are unbearable enough, um, but don't don't get a, if you get a dog, fine. You know, people like dogs. Get a dog, but I don't I don't need that. <laughs> you need to be more selective with your friend choices. <laughs> Normally, you can see it from their display photos. If they've got a dog there, you know to reject it <laughs> or delete them. <laughs> I've got a quick follow-on that anyone that dresses an animal as a wrongan. <laughs> yeah. These things are definitely which, linked. Which I've had several arguments with people before about wrapping a dog or a cat in a coat, and I'm like, "What are you doing? They've got a coat. It's called a dog coat or a cat coat. It's a layer of fur. What are you doing with what yourself? Dressing your dog up for Halloween. If you dress yourself up for Halloween, you're pretty <laughs> And he looked cool. Well, where do you stand, Brian, on tinsel on a dog? Tinsel is the <laughs> devil. I have it. I hate it. It's the most tacky thing you can use. Like, it doesn't bring anything to anything. It doesn't brighten anything up. It just makes everything look crap. Do you not wrap your computer at work with tinsel around the monitor to make you feel all festive? <laughs> Can't say I've ever done that. No, but I think my colleagues do it, yeah. Definitely colleagues of mine who have done that, but I've never understood that either. It's those people who get those mini Christmas trees and stick them on their desks that really annoy me. Yeah, we also have one of those. If I worked with Brian, I'd be wrapping tinsel around the computer. Just (laughs) Oh, your car would be one piece of tinsel. And I'd do it in October. And, and and I'd also be like wrapping up his entire desk for uh, for his birthday as well with just wrapping paper. That's probably Christmas wrapping paper just for a, for a even more of a laugh. 
I've been told, listen to this because we'll be giving them ideas. <laughs> when are you back in work? <laughs> Second of December at the well, at the minute, but after oh, of see. course, yeah, you're locking locking down, of course. Right, um, yeah, we're probably it's time we got out of here. Um, another long podcast for you. If you've done, if you've got this far, well done. Um, thanks for listening. Um, let's give us any feedback at Transatlantic TN on Twitter. Um, if you're not in our Facebook group, join that. Seems to be seems to be quiet these days on on Facebook. Maybe it's just maybe all the kids use TikTok these days. I've no idea. <laughs> oh, that's gonna be my next week's non-times related. You just reminded me. <laughs> yeah, I'm Have still waiting for pictures of people having cereal. We're still waiting for the pictures of people having cereal out of Easter eggs. I know it's a few months ago, but we're still waiting. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, I don't think we're getting any of those, but you never know. <laughs> so I'm aware it's just me now. <laughs> right, we'll, uh, we'll do this again next week um, and celebrate being seven and three or being well. That sounded confident, didn't it? Um, we'll, in the meantime, tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.